listen, we're continuing today our series that we started a couple weeks ago entitled No Big Deal. And kind of where we've gone through this series, we've been tackling some things that society says is no big deal, and we've been finding out after all that maybe, just maybe, some of these things are a big deal. And some of the things we've talked about is we've talked about little white lies and the familiarity of falsehood. Like we just as a culture, we've gotten comfortable lying and telling half-truths and small mistruths and things like that. Last week, we talked about worship and kind of our society of slander that we like to whisper and backbite and like to talk about other people and bring other people down. It's just kind of what it is. Today, I want to talk about the culture of cussing. Because how many people know we're living in a cussing culture? I mean, it's just kind of where we are. It's part of what's existing out there. Before I go too far, again, I just want to make sure we're on the same page of why we're talking about these things. Because maybe, just maybe, you're sitting there and you think, Pastor Steve, you know, there's so many big topics we could talk about. There's so many, like, earth-shattering things that are happening in our world. You know, why are we talking about these things that might seem so insignificant? Again, it's the reason for the title of this series is that there are some things that our culture might define as no big deal. But when you read God's Word and when you get kind of the opinion of our Father, we kind of find out that some of these things that we have underplayed that really is a big deal. In fact, we've been looking at a foundational verse throughout this scripture. It's found in the book, The Song of Solomon. If you're new to church, you're new to spiritual things, maybe new to the Bible, the book, The Song of Solomon, <clears throat> it was written, and it's kind of like a love story. In fact, it is a love story between a husband and a wife, between two lovers, kind of graphic, uh, but it's a very cool book. But really, it's not just about a man and a woman. It's really a greater reflection of our relationship with God, that, that what we're in is not a religion. You know, the Bible makes it very clear that, that God is our bridegroom and we are his bride, that this thing that we're in is a relationship that really we're lovers. Like this thing is about deep, intimate love. And so in the midst of this conversation between these two lovers, this is said, and it applies to us in our relationship with God. Check this out. Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Everybody read this. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes before they ruin the vineyard of love for the grapevines are blossoming so that might sound kind of weird you know if you're again not familiar with scripture that might seem kind of odd but what it's saying is that there are things in the context of a relationship and I mean every relationship friendships marriages that we have to be careful to guard those relationships that they're not hijacked and taken advantage of we got to make sure that we guard our relationships from things coming in and destroying those relationships and so the comparison is made the same way a fox, a little tiny, cute, fuzzy, cuddly fox can go into a vineyard and ruin it. The same way a rabbit can go into a garden and ruin it. The same way that a groundhog can go into landscaping and ruin it. These small little insignificant animals can destroy things. So the same way that foxes can destroy vineyards, we have to be careful. That there are things that seem like they're small, seem like they're insignificant, seem like they don't matter. That really, they can come in and impact, in a negative way, our relationship with Christ. In fact, this last part is important. So it says this, for the grapevines are blossoming. You say, what does that mean? It means this, that there are times in our walk with God that kind of the way the Bible describes our maturing that the way we grow in our relationship with God, the way we move along in our spiritual journey, that kind of the word or the picture that's kind of attached to that is that we're producing fruit. Like a tree, as it grows and matures, it starts, right? Starts to pop out apples or oranges or whatever kind of tree it is. As you grow in your relationship with Christ, 
you should have more fruit, you should have more character in your life that shows that we are becoming less and less like we used to be and more and more like our Savior Jesus. Are you all tracking with me? And not only is there fruit like being like Christ, but there's also, the Bible talks about fruit as we live our life, we're making an impact on people around us. So here's what I want you to know, is that our relationship with Christ shouldn't just influence the hearts on the inside of us, it should influence the hearts around us. Which means as we walk out our spiritual journey, it's not just that God wants to do things in us, but God wants to do things through us. God wants to do things through you. And we have to make sure that there are not things in our life that would limit what God can do in us or limit what God can do through us. Are you all hearing me today? So everybody shout, no big deal. So today we're going to talk about something that maybe, maybe is a big deal, and that's cussing. Cussing, I'm just telling you that, that vulgarity is vogue, isn't it? It just seems like the vulgarity is so common. It's, it's, it's like the hip thing to do. It's in style. It's, you know, I come from an age, and I come from a day I turned 45 uh, in just a couple weeks. I know I look 20, but 45 in just a couple weeks, it's hard to believe. So growing up in the 70s, I remember when cussing, when vulgarity, when profanity in the marketplace was kind of on the fringe, right? When you watch family TV, 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear cussing. Uh, if you wanted to hear some cussing, you had to go to your friend's house who had cable. But for the most part, you couldn't find it in, you know, on TV. You might hear some in movies, but not much. You know, it might be in some backdoor conversations. But how many people know that it has gone from being something that's on the fringe to being the normative? Like back in the day, cussing, those words, you would use them as an expletive, but now they're adjectives, adverbs, nouns, prepositions. I mean, you can just string a bunch together, turn a paper into university professor and get an A. Because we just have grabbed all the big ones and we just kind of use them in everyday language. So we live in a culture, again, where it's just become normal. In fact, some studies have been done. I read a one uh, several weeks ago and it said this that public profanity is up in the last decade 800%. Now, what that means is this, is that if you could dial back the time 10 years ago, what you would hear on an average day in the grocery store, in the workplace, on television, in the movies, that it's gone up 800% more language that we hear today than we did a decade ago. So it's, it's crazy. And some of you think that's all because your house is out of control. But think about this, what really, what really shocked me in getting ready for this message is, it's not just kind of people outside, everyday people, and how much more they're using language and words and vulgarity and profanity. What shocked me is this, that a study was done by Barner Research Group. If you're not familiar with Barner Research, if you're ever looking at a magazine or you're online and you see a poll, it probably has been done by Barner Research. They do a lot of research in our nation Barner research, did some re- uh, Barner research did some research in churches. Here's what they found out. I thought this was interesting. That 37% of church people, people who show up on a Sunday morning, people who sing worship songs, people who listen to messages, 37% of church people found it morally acceptable to cuss and use vulgarity. Not about you, but to me, when I read that, that means one, in every, one out of every three people in this room says, hey, cussing, no big deal. Profanity, it's not a big deal. Hey, pastor, listen, there's far bigger things. If I want to drop an F-bomb, if I want to drop an S or a D or an H-bomb, like it's just no big deal because it's morally acceptable. I don't know about you guys, but when I hear about one in three, that's some profanity insanity. That means that somehow 
this issue has leaked its way in and found its way into everyday people like you and I. And so we have to ask the question, come on, is, is it really a big deal? Is this issue of language, culture, crudeness, vulgarity, dirty jokes, is, is it a big deal? And I don't want to just give my opinion. I want to jump in with James, the brother of Jesus, because he speaks to this topic. And so if you have your Bible, you can check this out. If not, you can read this uh, online here. Check this out on the screen. Here's what the Bible says. James, the brother of Jesus, he says this. Check this out. Read it with me. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless, it is restless and evil, and read it, full of what? Deadly poison. So the Bible says that, that this thing between our teeth, that this small little piece of meat that seems so insignificant, that it is full of deadly poison. Now you would think if something's full of deadly poison that we would be pretty cautious of how we handle it, that we'd be very aware of the impact it has. They say, Pastor Steve, what are you talking about full of deadly poison? All of us have been the victim of someone's tongue. We have all been bit by someone's words, right? Where someone has said something to us or behind our back, somehow it's gotten to us, and they've cut us down, they've diminished us, they've talked about it. We all have been impacted by the poison of someone's tongue. And if we're honest, we've not only been poisoned by someone else's tongue, if we're real gut-level honest today, some of us have poisoned other people with the words in our mouth. And so the Bible says, hey, listen, listen, listen. I, I want you to know that this thing in your mouth is full of deadly poison. The Bible says in another way that, that our words have the power of life and death. That if you'll allow me to have words with you, I can take anybody in this room, and I don't even have to know you well, and if you'll give me 120 seconds, I can encourage you, I can build you up, I can pump you up, I can motivate you, I can get you dreaming about tomorrow, I can get you thinking the best about yourself. Or with this same tongue, I can tear you down, I can diminish you, I can make you think less of yourself, because all of us, our words have the power of life and death. Keep reading, check this out. He says this in verse 9. He says, read it with me, every voice, y'all got to say that first word, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. Isn't that crazy? Think about that, church, that, that this tongue that we have in our mouth, sometimes we can show up to church and we can be like, Father, I praise you, Lord, you're awesome, and we can sing these songs, and we praise our Father in heaven. Then we turn around with the same mouth, in the same tongue, in the same words, and we tear down and we poison and we curse people who've been made in the image of God. This word curse is, uh, is, is kateromai. The Greek word, basically it means to speak ruin or destruction over somebody. That we can show up and say, praise God, and then look at somebody and say, damn you. What? Are you kidding me? But it's become common in culture, this profanity and sanity that's overtaken our world that we don't think another thing about it. But James says, hey, 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 it's important. Keep going. Watch what he says here, verse 10. This is big. Watch. Back up, let me show you this again. This, this word here is funny. He says, sometimes, check this out again. He says, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes. I've, I've realized that a lot of times church people are bilingual. Everybody say sometimes. Like sometimes you say one thing, and sometimes you say something else. Like sometimes we show up to church on Sunday, and we got our Sunday morning church Jesus language. And then Monday we get to the office, we get to the workplace, we get to school, we get to camp, and we got our Monday morning language, right? We're bilingual. Like, I don't mean some of you know Spanish or German or French. I mean, you got Sunday morning Jesus language and Monday morning devil language. 
Like you show up to church. Come on, I've, we've all done this. I did it when early on coming to church. I'd be like, praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. It's good to see you in the name of Jesus. It's going to be a glorious day. Hallelujah. And we don't even get out of the parking lot. We're like, you better move your boop car because you're a boop, boop, boop. Are you kidding me? Some of you got a sometime language. In fact, I, I just got to make this plug for our parking team. We have wonderful people who are out serving. Little did they know they were literally sacrificing their life to move people in and out of this parking lot. And I just would ask on behalf of our parking team in order to keep them safe and to keep traffic moving. We have thousands of people that move in and out of here every weekend. If you would do us a favor and be patient. Listen, if you can't get out of the parking lot without cussing, you have not had an experience with Jesus. Y'all ought to at least be able to make it a Tuesday or Wednesday. That's what I'm saying. Like, obey them, help follow them. It just moves traffic. But it's crazy because, child, sometimes, everybody say sometimes. Maybe today you're here and you have a sometimes language. But what you say sometimes isn't what you say other times. There's a word for that. It's called hypocrisy. Interesting. Keep rolling. Verse 10. He says this. And so, watch this, this is, his, this is his, his kind of his point. And so, blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Read it with me. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not. So when you ask the question, hey, hey, pastor, is, is it really a big deal? I mean, hey, does it really matter? I mean, there's people being murdered in our world. There is poverty. There is rape. There is racism. Our country is on the edge of so much. Car- does it really matter? I'm just telling you what James says. James says it is not right. And so he goes on and he kind of, he's not finished yet. He wants to make sure we get the point. So he kind of gives us these two rhetorical questions to paint a picture in our mind of really the madness. Again, the profanity and sanity that we're going through. And he says this, verse 11, check it out. Does a spring of water bubble up with both fresh water and bitter water? Now listen, you don't have to dig wells for a living to know what he's talking about. If you dig a well, one kind of water's coming out, not two kinds. Check out next, verse 12. He says, does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? Come on, read it. What's the answer? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So here's what I want to say to you. If you're taking notes, you can write this down because this is so much bigger than vulgarity or profanity. Here's what I want to tell you this right here, that it's not really a swearing issue. It's a soul issue. What I want you to know today is if you're loose with your words, if you're okay telling crude jokes, if you're okay kind of hanging out with the boys and you're, you're okay kind of losing your mind with friends, if you're okay with vulgarity and profanity, that really it's not a swearing issue. It's a soul issue. It's not really what's going on on the outside. It's what's going on in the inside. Now, anybody here like some cool, crisp water? I mean, there's just, there's just nothing like it. I don't care what you drink, what you like to drink. There is nothing that quenches the thirst like water. Isn't that right? Water is boss. I'm just telling you, anybody here like some water? I'm all about some water. The reason I say it's boss is because I've been drinking a lot of it lately. And uh, when you drink, I can drink anything, go to the bathroom when I feel like. When you drink water, you go to the bathroom when water tells you you got to go. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's time to go now. Like I'm about to get some D-pens. I've been drinking so much water. It's just crazy. But here's what's funny is this, this cup, and I, I love, I got to just give one more shout out. Man, I love our Faith Church mugs. Anybody here got some Faith Church mugs at home? Right. If you don't have one, like this is not a sales pitch. I don't care if you buy them or not because we give them away to all of our guests. If you're a guest here, you can get one today on your way out. But, man, this is what we drink coffee out of here at home. I just love our Faith Church mugs, love filling them up, especially with some caffeine. I'm jacked up on some caffeine right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Woo. 
And, uh, and so here's the thing, watch, it doesn't matter, but anybody here, this happened to all of us, you, you, you take your favorite cup, take your favorite mug, and you fill it up with your favorite frosty drink, it doesn't matter what it is, but you pour it in there, and like, you're hanging out, and you got a little bit of liquid in there, you got some Coke in there, some pop in there, Dr. Pepper, water, coffee, it doesn't matter what you drink, but have you ever been in a social gathering? Have you ever been at a party, and you're holding your favorite mug filled with your favorite beverage, and some guy comes up and bumps you? You're like, hey, man, what the beep is wrong with you? Get the beep away from me. Right? Like, are you kidding me? Or last night, you know, right, Ohio State got beat by unranked Penn State. Are you kidding me? And you're standing there, right, full, this cup full of your favorite beverage, and you're like, what? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? What? You crazy beep, ref. I can't beep, beep, beep. Are you kidding me? Here's the question. Watch. If someone comes along and bumps my arm, what's going to come out of the mug? Whatever's in the mug is going to come out of the mug when I get bumped. Here's a bigger question. What comes out of you when you get bumped? What comes out of you when someone cuts you off, when they don't take off from the light fast enough, when you don't like what your boss just said to you, when you got to work overtime, when your kids don't obey you, right? What is it that comes out of you? I'm just telling you, the same way whatever's in this mug comes out of it when it gets bumped, Whatever's on the inside of you is going to come out of you when you get bumped. In fact, this is what Jesus said. I'm going to kill myself right here. Y'all get your iPhones out because, woo. Here's, here's what Jesus said. Check this out. Watch. Read it with me. He says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Keep going. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. So he's saying, listen, if you want to know what kind of tree you have, you've got to look at the fruit. If you want to know kind of what's really there, you can't just guesstimate. All you got to do is look at the fruit. And then he says this. This is so big. Watch this. He says, a good person produces, read it with me, good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of a evil heart. Then he asks this question. What you, or it makes a statement. What you say flows from what is in your heart. I would say it this way, that vulgarity is not a reflection of the words you use. It's a reflection of the heart that you have. That's what Jesus would say. Vulgarity is not a reflection of the words you use but the heart that you have. So listen, this is so big. So if you're here, you're like, Pastor Steve, hey, you're making way too big of a deal about this. It's just how I grew up. Like, I know I kind of sound like a sailor, but it's just who I am. Hey, Pastor Steve, you don't understand who I work with and all the guys I have. I mean, it's just how we talk. Jesus would say, no, 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 no. Like, you're making this a word issue. Jesus said, this is not a swearing issue. This is a soul issue. This is not really about the vulgar words you're using. This is about the vulgar heart that you have. Jesus, really, if you got him to kind of simple it down, he would say this. If you have and you use dirty words, it's because you have a dirty heart. It's like this thing, at least for us as Christ followers, and if you're new to church, at least for you to kind of pull back and maybe have some awareness, because we all like to say, hey, I'm a great person. I'm a great person. Like sometimes our words, they should be used as a way to make us realize really what's in our heart and life. What's at the center of who we are? Like we all have in our cars that we drive, we all have all the gauges and lights and, right, we have lights that let us know when the oil's low or when the air pressure, tire pressure's low or, you know, when it's overheating. And I'm just telling you, those red lights, especially ladies, listen, those things go off for a reason. 
when the light goes off that your gas tank is low, that does not mean you have 50 more miles. That means you're about to run out of gas, pull over. And so the same way the lights on the dashboard let you know something's wrong with the vehicle, our words are an indicator that possibly something is wrong with our heart. So again, it's, it's, not, it's not a vulgarity issue. It's not a swearing issue. It's a soul issue. And I'd say this as well. If you're taking notes, you can write this down in your bulletin. It's not an indecency issue. It's an influence issue. It's not an indecency issue. It's an influence issue. Now, I've been trying to say this again really through this series, no big deal. This is about your relationship with Christ. It is. The words we use, the lies we tell, the gossip we speak, that really is a reflection of our relationship with Jesus. But so much more than that. Guys, hear this. Do you know that we are here in this dark, hurting world, that we are here? Jesus called us to be the light of this world. We are here to impact and influence hurting people, discouraged people, broken people. In a time and a season in where this world is in absolute chaos, I'm telling you, this world is wheels off. Jesus is the answer. And when you are a person that gossips and tells white lies, when you are a person that wastes your words on vulgarity, we miss opportunities to influence people. You say, how? Here's why. Do you know that you only have a limited number of words to speak to somebody? Think about it. You can't have infinite conversations. This week, you're going to have conversations at school and conversations at the workplace and conversations all over. In that conversation, you might have a couple minutes. You have a limited number of words. And here's what I want you to know. In those limited number of words, how are you using those words to influence that person? Because our relationship with God, as we grow, Paul, he talks about this, and we've spent time talking about this through this series. The Bible talks about, like, again, our spiritual journey, that before we were saved, we had an old way of living. Everybody say old way. We had old habits and old attitudes and old ways of talking and old ways of treating people. And then we come to Jesus, and I think people know that we don't have an old way. Now we have a new way. We have a new way that we should treat. We should have, we should have a new way of ethics. We should have a new character about us. Now, it doesn't happen overnight, but that process, that progress of growing should happen in all of us. And so Paul, he steps on the scene and says, hey, listen, Christ followers. Hey, listen, Jesus people. In your relationship with God, you have to put off the old and put on the new. And in Ephesians 4, he gives some very specific examples of things that should be changing in our life. That really what it comes down to is that our walk with God is not a list of don'ts. It really is a list of do's, things we should be doing in our spiritual journey. And he gives one, he says this, for example, he says, hey, for all of you, all of you that used to steal, let him who steal or let him who stole steal no more. So it's not just stop stealing, but then he says this, but... Rather, use your hands, use your efforts, basically to go get a job that you can earn an income, that you can be generous. So stop stealing and start giving. And then he says this about our words. Same thing. Take off old, put on new. He says this. Check it out. Read it with me. Don't use foul or abusive language. Now stop. This word, and this is, Paul is genius when he writes this. The word that he uses here for foul and abusive language, it's one word, and basically means don't use words that are worthless. Don't use words that have no value. Don't use words, the word here really is rotten. They don't, they're, not, they're no good. They're no good. Don't use rotten, worthless words. Now, let me just ask, I need everybody here. If you've used some rotten, worthless words in the last week, raise your hand. Thank you. So he says, stop it. 
So let's pray and go home. I mean, come on, that's all we got to do is stop it, right? Not about just stopping, it's about starting something else. So he gives us a new behavior, a new way to pattern our life after Jesus. Then he says this, so don't use worthless words. Rather, let everything, that's tough, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be, read it with me, an encouragement to those who hear them. So he's saying, I want you to take this limited commodity of something that all of us have that's incredibly precious. Like you have a limited number of words that you use in your life. And you have a limited number of words that you can use in every relationship. And instead of wasting your words on vulgarity and profanity, instead of using your words in crude jokes and dirty jokes, instead of using words that are meaningless and rotten, he says, I want you to use words. Instead of using words to tear down, I want you to use words to build up. I want your words to have meaning and value. And here's the play on words. This is beautiful. Do you know when we came to Jesus, the Bible uses this word to say we were redeemed. Everybody say that word, redeemed. It's a beautiful word. Basically, here's what it means. There are times in all of our lives that we feel very unimportant. We feel very much less than. We live in a culture that maybe you were raised in a home where you heard from your parents or your step-parents or whoever that you weren't important, that you would never measure up, that you would never be successful, and you've carried that through your life, that you just don't feel like, like you have value. Maybe you're here, young ladies in this house, that, again, we live in a culture of photoshopped magazine covers where everybody's a size zero and nobody has right any kind of percentage of body fat on them and you just feel like you know you're just not pretty enough you're not beautiful enough that you can never measure up and we live in this culture of like these false standards and ideals and all of us are striving to be important and so many of us feel like we don't measure up you know Jesus came along and what he did was he declared a value on every one of us where this world tells you you are unimportant and you have no value. When the Father sent His Son, Jesus, He put a price tag on us. He redeemed us and said, every one of you, you have an incredibly rich value. And He said, your value, your worth is the value of the life of my Son, Jesus. What He did was He elevated us and He gave us intrinsic value that this world can never take away from you. You're important and you're valuable and you're precious because you've been redeemed. So this is big, watch. So he's saying the same way Jesus took broken humanity and gave us value because he redeemed us. Do you know what? Do you know part of our call as Christ followers is that we're to redeem now other things? We're to redeem, we're to redeem money. Instead of just using money to buy more shiny stuff, to park in a garage that rusts and disappears over time, that we're to redeem money, we're to give it, we're to invest it, we're to sow it. Do you know that we are to take relationships and redeem it? We are to take words. Instead of taking words that are worthless, take your words and give them value to love and build up and encourage people. Redeem. We right now are getting ready today to have our fall festival. I don't know about you guys, but I'm always pumped up for some fall festival. So we have that this weekend, and every year I hear from somebody, Pastor Steve, you know, as, Jesus, as people who love Jesus, we shouldn't celebrate the day of the devil. And It's Halloween, and it's awful that we're dressing up as kids and asking people, and here's what I'm going to tell you. Listen, before you write me a letter, before you catch me after church, when we have fall festivals, we are doing exactly what Jesus taught us to do. He took something that was worthless, me, and gave me value. I'm taking a holiday that this world accepts and validates and celebrates. We are giving it value and meaning to build bridges into our community, to love people around us and let them know the love of Jesus. We are redeeming opportunities. That's it. 
So, hey, if you're here, you're like, hey, Pastor, come on, listen, really, is it a big deal? It's a very big deal. It's not about the outside. It's not, it's not an indecency issue. It's not. It's an influence issue. How are you using your words? As precious as they are, as limited as they are, how are you using your words? Are you wasting them on profanity? Are you selling out your words to vulgarity and dirty jokes and crudeness? Or are you taking your words and let every one of them be good and helpful that you can encourage other people? That's big. That's big. Here's one more. Do you guys ever realize this, that people who typically don't know God use his name more than us who do? Isn't that crazy? I'm you want to talk about some profanity, insanity. I think that is crazy that so many people take and use the name of God who don't know him, claim to know him, or want to know him. I mean, I just think that's crazy. So I would say this to you. Last thing, real quick, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. When you cuss, it's not really a profanity issue. It's a praise issue. It's a praise issue. Because I think we live in a society and a culture that is absolutely clueless. We are clueless sometimes to the words that we so flippantly use. Think about some of the big words that maybe you use, maybe people you know use, and we just drop them and they roll off our tongue. We take big words that are very important and make them unimportant. We take words like God, Jesus, damned, hell, Christ, big important words. And like we just drop them like, God, Jesus Christ, I can't believe it. And it's like, it's like wait a minute, what? Are you kidding me? Do you know what? Again, do you know, we went back, go back to James. He says, hey, sometimes we take our tongues and we praise, we celebrate God. And that's exactly the only way we should ever take the name of God. We should ever take the name of Jesus and use. You should never take those big, important words and diminish them and rob them of value and make them every day trash, garbage words. You know, nobody says, Allah damn. Buddha damn, Shiva damn. Do you know why? Because only God is one. He is the only true living God, the creator of the universe and the redeemer of mankind. He's the only one and humanity is tearing his name apart and we should be the one to hold it sacred. Come on, church. Come on, church. Jesus, he taught us to pray this way. He said, hey, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or hallowed be thy name. Like God, the name of God is sacred. The name of God shouldn't be dragged through the commonality of human terminology and mud. It should be sacred. If you're new to church and you don't know any of the Ten Commandments, you probably at least have heard not to take the name of God in vain. The word vain basically means don't strip it of value. Don't make it worthless. And the Bible says Jesus is the highest name ever spoken or ever will be. That the name of Jesus is higher than anything. And at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We take that name that's above every name and we throw it underneath our feet with vulgarity and profanity and making something that's so big, so common. Something that's so important is something that's so unimportant. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's just crazy. And you ask yourself, because if you're here, maybe you have kind of this propensity towards profanity. Maybe it's kind of just the way you talk every day. Maybe it only comes out when you hit your thumb with a hammer, or you get into a bad situation. Whatever it is, you've got to ask yourself, what is this thing on the inside of all of us? Because I'm just going to tell you, right? There's this, like every now and then, I just, well, ah, it almost slips out. And I know for all you holy people, never. I'm, I celebrate you. I'll get where you are one day in my walk of holiness. 
And, and, and like, it's, I'm not telling you like I walk around and cuss. I Christian cuss. Shoot, doggone it. Dang. Heck. Like, that's just dressed up cussing. I mean, it just, let's just be honest. Right? I mean, it's just the same thing. We just, well, we just don't want to go there. And we take these words, and man, they're so precious. It's precious. But here's the question. Why is it that we have this propensity towards profanity? What is this pull? And not only that we all have that pull, but what is it that's on the inside of us that recognize it's wrong? Isn't that a great question? Like, even when you were a little kid, when you first started using words, like, you knew it was wrong. Still today, when we start telling, like, nobody stands in a large opening and just tells dirty jokes. Hey, y'all, did you hear about the three guys that walked into a bar? Everybody's like, hey, man, come here. You got to hear this crazy joke I heard. Hey, man, listen, did you guys hear about the three? Why do we pull in? Why do we whisper? Why do we get quiet? Do you know why? Because every one of us in this room, we have been created with a conscience. We have an awareness of right and wrong. You know what's right. Nobody has to tell you. You know what's right and you know what's wrong. And you have to ask yourself the question, where did that come from? And the answer is because every one of us in this room, we've been made in the image of God. You've been made in the image of God. And being made in the image of God, because God is holy, because God is perfect, being made in his image, we have the ability to know the difference between right and wrong. Now, the crazy thing is scientists and sociologists and psychologists, they've recognized that, that we as human beings have a consciousness. We have an awareness. We have, uh, we're aware of what's right and wrong, but they can't tell you where it comes from. I'm telling you where it comes from. It comes from the fact that you and I were made in the image of God. Unfortunately, we have disqualified ourselves by our behavior from that relationship. When we live wheels off, when we live a life that is not right, when we cross the line, when we know what's wrong and we continue to do it, live that lifestyle, that disqualifies us. That's what sin is, and that disqualifies us from a life in a relationship with God. But here's the good news, man. I had, I've had people over the years ask me this question. Hey, Pastor Steve, what's the difference between every major world religion and Christianity? And the answer is really simple. Every major world religion will try to get you to do things to be good enough that the day you check out of this world, you are good enough to get to the other side, to get to heaven. That everybody does wrong, and so our goal is, is to pray enough, go to church enough, give enough, meditate enough, bend yourself into a pretzel enough, take enough journeys, fast enough, do all the things this world, do enough good deeds, and if you've done enough good to outweigh the bad, you can get to heaven. That's what all the major world religions teach. But I want you to know the difference between that and Jesus is this. It is, it is a relationship with our Savior that God loved you and I enough that we could never reach heaven, he reached us. Well, we couldn't bridge the gap by being good enough, he reached out through his son Jesus who came and died and took the penalty for our sin, who paid the price for our sin, and through him he gives us a gift we can never earn, salvation. That's the difference. That's the difference. I'm just telling you, whatever, whatever, whatever world religion, you're trying to earn something you can never earn. And Christianity is God giving us something that we never deserve. I'm just telling you, that's huge. That's huge. And so when you ask yourself, okay, Pastor Steve, so if we're saved or we're forgiven by grace, not by our behavior, then what's it matter? Like, I'm not going to heaven based on my behavior. I'm going to heaven based on Jesus' sacrifice. So why do I have to clean up my words? I mean, if that doesn't really matter, and here's why I would say this, because language is not about earning favor. It's about giving honor. It's an honor issue. I don't want to cuss because it's a, come on, say it, an honor issue. I want to honor God with my words. I want to honor God because he paid such a tremendous price for you, and he paid such a tremendous price for me. 
I want to live my life in a way that honors the sacrifice that was made to redeem me. So my lifestyle is never about trying to earn God's favor. I'm just telling you here, if you're a Christ follower, you have God's favor. And we want to live in a way that tells our creator and tells our savior, thank you for the sacrifice that you made. And we say thank you the loudest by living a life that's pleasing to him. Come on, everybody. Give God some love today. So again, I know, I know there's some craziness. I know that we live in a world that, like, it's no big deal. It's funny, I see it everywhere I go. One of my favorite, and I just got to tell you this, I shouldn't say this, but one of my favorite things about being a pastor is running into you all out in the world, in the real world, not here in church where you all got your church language on. I like running into you when you don't know I'm there and I run up behind you and, like, you got a big beer in your hand. You're like, come on, everybody, cheers. And then you see me, you're like, hey, pastor. Hide the beer, the pastor's here. Everybody feels like they got to hide their drink. You know, or I'll come up on somebody and they're smoking, and then all of a sudden they got to cuff their cigarette. I love it when people cuff their cigarette. If I see you smoking, I'm going to talk to you for like an hour on purpose. <laughs> like they're trying to cuff it. I'm like, hey, dude, your arm is on fire right now. Smoke. <laughs> you know, and people cuss. This happens all the time. People cuss, and somebody will call. Hey, don't you know? That's the rev. Don't, don't cuss in front of the rev. Don't cuss in front of the preacher. Hey, that's Brother Steve. Don't cuss in front of Brother Steve. I'm just telling you, listen, you're not offending me. You don't need to say sorry to me. You need to say sorry to thee because I've heard it all. He's the one that y'all are offending, not me. Yeah. Are you hearing this? So, so I just want you to know, listen, this, this coming week, you know, Sean and I, my wife and I, we've kind of joked because uh, in, my, in the staff going through this series, no big deal. You know, we've talked about gossiping and lying and now cussing. Like a lot of you guys don't have anything to say now. <laughs> long, long, quiet rides home from church. <laughs> Last week, my wife and I were sitting in between services. I just kind of hang out a little bit in my office and get a breather. And Normally, we're chatting, just kind of talking about people we've met or, you know, needs that people have. And we're just kind of sitting there quiet. My wife says, well, I guess since we can't gossip or lie, just kind of quiet here. <laughs> but here's the thing, guys. Listen, I just mean this all my heart. What, this, this is not about us being churchy people. It's not. It's about saying, God, what's in my life? Maybe if the world said it's no big deal, what's in my life that's keeping you from really doing in me what you want to do in me? And God, because part of the reason I'm still alive, see, God loves you and wants you in heaven, so why are you still here? God, if I'm still here, you have me here to be the light of the world. You have me here to influence people around me. So God, help me to be aware of the life that I'm living and how it's influencing people around me. If that's cussing, gossip, lying, or whatever it is. Next week, y'all don't want to miss next week. Or you might want to. You're like, what else can we do? <laughs> I'm going to read you one more scripture. And I just want you to hear this. So <clears throat> this is found in, uh, it's not on the screen. It's found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. This is, a, this is a story, right? So the religious people of Jesus' day, they took rule. And they just made the rules so hard to follow that no one could follow them and everyone felt like garbage. And again, I want you to keep hearing this vulgarity issue, this profanity issue, it's really, it's not, it's not an external thing. It's what's, what's inside of you. And so their deal was because God taught Moses the law, and Moses passed it on to the nation of Israel. Part of the law was there were certain things they could eat and not eat. There were certain things that were declared unclean. So the Pharisees came, and they took this simple rule of, hey, you can eat that, but not this, and made everything a clean issue. In fact, when you would sit down to dinner, you had to wash your hands a certain way, and you had to wax on and not wax off. And it had to do, like, you had to do it with the right soap and the right time and the right way. 
And it wasn't just about washing your hands. It was washing your bowls and your dishes. And if you didn't do it the way they thought you should do it, you were like a heathen. And so one day Jesus is walking around with his disciples. They stop and they eat. And the Pharisees, the religious people of his day, they see the disciples of Jesus start eating, but they didn't wash their hands. And the Pharisees start losing their mind. And like, hey, what's up with your disciples? Like, you're supposed to be the Messiah, and you're not even teaching your disciples the customs. And he says this. This is so big. Watch what Jesus says. Mark chapter 7, verse 14 and 15, he says this. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. He says this. All of you listen and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. It's not about washing your hands. and wa- I mean, you'll get sick, but it doesn't do anything spiritually. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. So Jesus like to say, hey, this is not an external thing. This is not an outside thing. He said, I want you to do an audit of what's in your heart. I want you to evaluate what's really in your heart. And the best way to know that is listen to what's coming out of your mouth. And so this week, I just want to challenge you this week. I just want you to do an audit of your words. I want you to evaluate what's going and what's coming out of your mouth. You know, my wife and I, we have rules in our house, and our kids have chores in our house, and things that everybody expects of each other. It's a house. It's a family. Everybody has responsibilities. And so my son, it's his responsibility to take out the trash, right? It's not that hard, you would think. You know, so he normally takes it out, but sometimes he forgets, and my wife wants to stick up for him. Poor baby, he does a lot of schoolwork and sports. I'm like, who cares? It's just trash, and I beat him, and she forgives him. It's a whole thing. <laughs> so, but the funny thing is, right, so it's his responsibility to take out the trash, but here's the thing. If he forgets, if he has practice and doesn't get to it, we don't let the trash stack up. Like, we don't sit there and be like, well, it's his turn, and he didn't take it out, so we're just leaving it there. We take it out. Do you know why? Because I don't want the trash stinking up the house. I don't want the garbage that's on the inside that's supposed to be on the outside to stay on the inside so somebody takes it out. And I just want to challenge you this week, as you start becoming aware of the garbage that's on the inside, can I just challenge you to take the garbage out? God, I just repent. Lord, I give you my heart. Ask you, Lord, clean me up. God, give me a word that's building people up. God, help me to redeem my words and give them value and purpose. God, help me to be a light in this world. Let's just make a decision as a church that we're going to walk away from the profanity and sanity of taking everyday words that this world say are no big deal. They're a big deal. They're a huge deal. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, this week that every single person in this room, God, that you give us a greater awareness, God, a greater alertness of, Father, what's in our heart by what's coming out of our mouths. I pray in Jesus' name that, God, we're going to begin to sanctify. God, we're going to begin to hold dear and special and sacred your name. Lord, I pray, Father, we're going to take opportunities in conversations and in relationships to use the precious commodity of words to build up and to give life and not tear down and to waste with foolish, crude language and speech. And so, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that, God, you're going to do a work in us. You're going to do a work in us.